the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed, and when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. We're already seeing record inflation, and this is the very last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble, and you know that you need to take steps to protect yourself. If your money is all tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. Gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, not in the metal. Right. It's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold backed IRA where you still own the physical gold. They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely to your home. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866 828-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. Download their free investor's guide. So I am so excited to be sitting here at a very interesting little hippie coffee shop in Denver with my very good friend, Will Witt. You know him from PragerU, from uh, his brand new book, which we're going to be talking about, which is How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. Very exciting. Such a good book. I am pleased to have a a copy of it. And um, just sitting here having coffee and decided that we wanted to have a conversation with all of you. So, Will, it's good to actually finally meet you in person. Good to be here, yeah. It's yeah. much better in person than over Twitter messages, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, and actually getting to see people in person, have conversations about the state of life and politics. And, yeah, you know, so we've been sitting here for a while having coffee, talking about the state of uh, politics in the world. Um, but, Will, for people who um, love you, they know your background and your story and how you came to Christ. But for other people who don't uh, know that story as much, I wanted to ask you to just kind of um, go through that a little bit and what um, made you more conservative and ultimately come to Christ and just kind of what your story is. Yeah, I'll I'll tell not to, I won't take too much time. In Boulder, I went to school in Boulder and I was a liberal atheist my entire life. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you go to Boulder, you just become a socialist communist and you dye your hair purple. For me, it was the opposite. Actually, I saw how people acted there and it turned me into a conservative, being in my sociology classes and my political science classes. Everything there was just, if you had a difference of opinion, they didn't want you to speak. And so that's what turned me to conservatism. And so actually becoming a Christian, the first thing was reading the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and understanding the Founding Fathers and realizing that, hey, you know, these guys knew that you don't get your rights from the government. You don't get your morality from the government. You get these from God. 
and that was something that was really big for me. But I still wasn't a Christian yet. I kind of put it off for maybe three or four years or so, actually, and was kind of thinking about it. I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'm kind of Christian, you know, kind of thinking about it. And then I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna actually read the Bible. And so actually, during the pandemic, I actually read the four Gospels. And what I came to realize, just like I did with conservative things, when it was like, when you hear the truth. Or when you hear something or read something, you have to make a choice. You either have to accept it as the truth or you have to say, no, this is not true. And so when I read the four Gospels and realized if Jesus really died for my sins this way, then I have no other choice but then to give my life for him. And so I actually got baptized in January of this year after reading the Bible, and it was the best decision I ever made. Now, one of the things about that, that was really important about that is that for the last about four years before that, when I was doing all this conservative stuff and political stuff, it was always the... The, the politics drove everything I did in my life, whereas now it's the faith drives my politics to now be able to spread my message. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so. such a good distinction, too, and where I think a lot of young people and even the uh, big national organizations that gear toward the young influencers and people for conservatism, that is uh, the that is the part of the message I think that's getting lost is that we don't, don't have politics as an end goal in and of itself. And so even though we can uh, say, you know, yay capitalism, you know, yay pro-life, um, all of these different policy issues, it has to be grounded in something more objective and it has to be grounded in truth. Otherwise, it's just my opinion versus your opinion. And we end up having that secular humanist playing field instead of saying this is the only correct answer because faith drives politics. And that's what actually um, the, the leftists hate because they want to have this false notion of separation of church and state by saying your faith can't drive your politics. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a change at all in either conservatives or especially the left since you've uh, become a Christian and your faith has driven your politics? Well, the left, I mean, they are a religion. That is why they hate Christianity. That is why they hate the values this country was founded on, because leftism is a new religion that seeks to destroy every other religion. I mean, when I was an atheist and I was becoming a Christian and talking to pastors and other people who are Christians, the people there, I mean, they didn't hate me. They loved me for, you know, despite being an atheist, you know, they wanted to help me. They wanted to say, hey, read this or, you know, check out this video or let's talk about your faith. You know, these people who are on the, who are Christians, they love me. When you are on the left, if you don't agree with their religion, then they shame you, they ostracize you, they hate you, they tell you you're a horrible person for not agreeing with them. And that's the differences between the two religions, right? Leftism is a religion between Christianity. And so the left hates the values that America was founded on because they want their own religion to take precedence over that. Now, when it comes to the right, I think that you have a lot of people who are conservative and they're worried about votes and they're worried about big tent and they're worried about having a message that is all-encompassing and so they take the faith out of their politics. They don't want to include that, right? But but what we talked about before this when we were having a discussion is that there is a return to traditionalism with so many people on the right where they see the faith and say, hey, this is actually what drives my politics. This is what makes America great, actually. And these are the things that we really need to be focused on. And I think that if the you know, the people on the right and the GOP really want to have a strong standing in the upcoming elections and and just the culture in general, they need to embrace that. They need to say, Absolutely. hey, we can't just be focused on, you know, capitalism's great. Mm-hmm. We need to be focused on 
why people do what they do, why, why, why life even matters, mm -hmm. you know? And the underlying philosophy of where does the government derive its power, where are the limitations, why do we have a separation of powers, why do we have a declaration that acknowledges our rights come from God rather than from government? Uh, what is that political underlying philosophy? Because what I see a lot of young people do, um, and even how I was taught in law school when I was telling you earlier, well, was, um, you know, I had my own crisis of faith in law school because um, and I was actually about your age because I graduated law school at 26. And so, um, you know, I was raised Christian. I was homeschooled um, all the way through. I had a very sincere faith, but didn't understand necessarily how to apply that as well to my drive for law and politics. And the way that we teach young people is almost this buffet style of saying, okay, well, you can be, you know, what's your economic theory? What's your um, human sexuality theory? What's your you know, theory on each of these different issues, foreign policy on, um, you know, abortion issues or whatever it is. And people can, like a buffet, go and just pick and choose where they stand on each individual issue. And they don't see that it's actually comprehensive. And so what I found going through law school was that even Christian professors that I had they would have this view that, well, law and constitutional law in particular is just whatever the collective judgment is at that particular moment in time. And so, for example, in 1973, when Roe v. Wade was decided, uh, before that, abortion was morally wrong. But now that we have the Supreme Court designating this as acceptable and permissive in society, then that comes with an inherent legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, of course, we know that that is inherently wrong and that's in conflict. So the Supreme Court and also the legislatures and Congress and, um, and now even you know the executive branch with all these vaccine mandates, we're seeing them overreach their power, where they don't have the legitimate authority to try to do what they're doing. And the frustration I had in law school was that nobody argues from that premise in law anymore. And um, I mean, a, a few do, and I think it's more philosophical, but the legal arguments are confined to what has the Supreme Court said rather than what is true, what is right, what is legitimate authority. And so I had to wrestle with um, that reconciliation of saying we have to go a step beyond just what uh, constitutional law, quote unquote, uh, provides, and we have to be willing to argue this from an objective moral premise. And that really shaped what I've done in um, in my life and career and speaking out in the media and um, even arguing cases and everything. And so I really applaud you for confronting that head on and not uh, not running away from it, because a Thank lot you. of people, when you're faced with that internal conflict, will either... Um, they will just equivocate or they'll run away from it or they'll just say, well, you know, that makes me uncomfortable, so I don't want to resolve it. But you resolved it and ultimately arrived at truth. And that's going to make you such a stronger advocate for Christ and for truth. Well, thank you. That means a lot. And I think exactly what you said. I mean, it's exactly right. And I think there's a lot of, especially Republicans out there who will be easy Christians. You know, they'll come and say, oh, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. and But not actually put in the work or know any Bible verses or anything like that. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, not being the most well-versed in it and trying to live it. But there is something wrong when you are going out there and saying that you believe this and then you aren't actually living by it. And so I actually think that a lot of the problems when it comes to a lapse in faith through our leadership is actually they're worried about hypocrisy, is that so many of them have 
done things that are, you know, obviously not very Christ-like, and so they don't want to be held accountable by God, so they don't actually come out and support the faith. But, you know, I've been just rereading Andrew Breitbart's book, Righteous Indignation, and he's got one of the tips that he has for how to, you know, how conservatives can win and bring back the culture is that if you are becoming a leader within the movement, that you need to get ahead of your past and that you need to go and admit the things that you've done. If anyone follows me, they've either read my book, they read my blog, or go to any of my speeches or anything. I'm very open about, you know, I was, when I was an atheist, I was not just an atheist, I was a godless type of person. Mm -hmm. I partied, I drank girls, all this stupid stuff in college, all these kind of things, like, and a leftist and an atheist, like, I have no problem going and admitting my past instead of trying to hide it under the guise of, like, oh, yeah, I'm a I'm Christian now, and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm great now. It's like, no, like, all of us make mistakes, and that's what, that, 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 that is biblical, right? Knowing right. that we all sin and, and do these things. Don't try and hide those kinds of things. Just be a better person now and admit your faith and, and be strong with it. That mm-hmm. That's truly, I think, how we how we move forward, but and the People church really needs to be the tip of the spear on that and saying, um, and I, I really appreciate that you've brought that up because there's a difference, too, between being a passionate Christian versus being a mature Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people have a passion for Christ, but they're not willing to, as you said, put in the work to maturing in their faith and growing in the grace and knowledge, as the Apostle Paul says, grow in the grace and knowledge mm-hmm. of the Lord. And that doesn't mean that now that, you know, now that you're a Christian, you're going to live a completely sinless life. Course, no, And it also doesn't mean that your past changes. What it means is that you are now justified before the Lord. And that doesn't actually matter. No one can hold that against you. And even though, you know, I've been a Christian for all of my adult life, does that mean I'm sinless and I'm perfect? Absolutely not. And so to be able to say, listen, this, these are the areas that I struggle and I want to be held accountable and I need that. That is an aspect of Christian maturity that really matters. And I wish that the church would have the focus instead of life coaching and self-help and mm-hmm. let's be, you know, the Instagram perfect. Right. Let's actually acknowledge our humanity right. and that we still all struggle with sin. Yeah. Well, self-help, I mean, those types of books already are just <laughs> yeah. the worst. I mean, it's like an addiction for people. They read self-help books and they think like, oh, I can just hustle and, and do yeah. these types of things that they tell me and affirmations and my life's just going to be better. So, and if the church does the same thing, that's, that's useless. You know? yeah. Where do you get your power from? Where do you get your, your life and your morality from? You get it from Christ. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. It's this, this self-help kind of weak Christian nonsense is what will send us into a, an even weaker country than we are now. It's already happened. I mean, you go to all these like mega churches and different churches, especially in L.A. Like I have to drive like an hour to my churches that I go to in Los Angeles because all of the churches surrounding are just, they're so weak, yeah. you know? They're not really churches. They're not really churches. <laughs> they're like leftist feel-good seminars is what they feel like, you know? Yeah. Like it feels like a TED Talk yeah. that just invokes the name of Jesus here and there. Right. And I'm right. like, you know, if your church isn't any better than a TED Talk, what are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. That's what it feels like with so many of them, that yeah. they don't want to pursue the truth. They want to pursue what's easy. It's much easier to say to say platitudes and basic things and have to actually be someone who stand up, stands up strong. And what you were talking about before is like so true, is that when you try to have a a bigger message for people as in like a more encompassing message you end up trying to impress everyone and you end up being mediocre to everyone Mm. right i would rather myself have a smaller audience of of truth tellers and passionate people and wise people than just having everyone love me or think i'm okay Mm -hmm. just to you know have a larger scope 
Yeah. It's just not worth it to me. I'd rather speak the truth and have a smaller group than a large group of just mediocrity. And this is coming from someone who is an influencer and who has a large following and who has, um, you know, and is in this age group where I feel like a lot of the the young people who are looking at wanting to build their following are in that same um, same state of contradiction almost where they're being told, don't be divisive. Uh, don't stand for truth in some of the maybe offensive ways within the Republican conservative demographic because it's fine and it's actually within you know our um, our community it's great to be you know pro gun it's great to be pro life it's great to be pro capitalism but if you are actually pro truth and pro Jesus that is offensive to people like for example the um, the quote unquote conservative porn star you know who people who came out saying no that is not actually conservative uh, there was a divide of people who were like well you know this is okay and libertarianism and all this and so to focus on being someone who has the correct message instead of just being an influencer in the sense of building your following, I think is a really, really important point that young people in particular need to hear. Yeah, I think so too. It's so easy. I mean, even like conservatives, we talk a lot about, you know, we're ostracized in a lot of ways and and the mainstream media is against us and the university is against us. But when it comes to like the establishment right, they still have a lot of power in this country. They, they, they are in charge of a lot of things in this country and, and definitely hold a lot of sway. But the establishment right has their talking points that are easy for people that can be regurgitated that are safe conservative talking points. There are safe things that you can say as a conservative and never have to worry about being canceled in your entire life, okay? I, I don't think all conservatives want to admit this, but it's it's definitely it's the truth. True. There are safe things that you can say as a conservative and big tech isn't going to silence you and your university isn't going to fire or fire you or, or expel you. Like it, when it, But when it comes to speaking truth, there are things that will get you in trouble, you know? And, and Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that big dump truck (laughs) (laughs) what going by Um, yeah trying to censor you exactly (laughs) no see that's a censorship that we need to be worried about they're sending him after me (laughs) but but you know jesus knew that that the truth is the most important thing pursuing truth is the most important thing so again just like with leftism and they want to be big 10 and the conservatives want to be big 10 and they have easy things that they can say we have to be the ones to say you know just because there are other people saying the easy things we have to say the true things even if people hate us for it absolutely and this is this is something that i think is so fundamental to the truth of what conservatism means and there is this kind of um, broad brush that people would like to say well there's no one singular definition to conservatism, that's a leftist talking point to say that we can't say with specificity what falls into a conservative worldview versus what is outside of a conservative worldview. And if you have anything that is true, then by definition, anything that conflicts with truth is therefore false. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be able to stand up with authority and say this is the conservative position because conservatism is rooted in the truth of the biblical We don't want to have it be 2040 and having, you know, conservatives coming out and saying, well, you know, conservatives supported the first trans president. It's like, that's not what we're about. You know, I mean, that's that's like not what are you conserving? Right. (laughs) You know, it's like instead of trying to be like the left, let's try and be like conservatives. Let's understand what we are actually trying to conserve in this country, the Constitution, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, the 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 right to uh, to 
or not even just the right, but the ability to have a, a family on a single income, like the things that really matter in this country, not the, the social leftist issues that they want to tie us into. Those things are, the left knows what they're doing. They know what they're doing when they try and pigeonhole you into talking about these things and, and being this open tent big 10 type of person mm-hmm. we need to stand for the things that actually matter the things that are going to change this country but there are there are no republicans in congress right now who are talking about some of the massive income inequality that we're seeing across the board i mean you have the 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 pfizer and moderna their stockholders making like 10 billion dollars in one week you know That's and absurd. people in many of the of the modern american cities are getting poorer you know, it's, but no one, no Republicans are talking about this. But they want to go and talk about, you know, Mitch McConnell going out on the Capitol steps, waving a trans flag around with a mask on outside. Mm-hmm. It's like these are our leaders. Yeah, what? or the ones who, like, like Dan Crenshaw's, who just want to go out there and parade, you know, his uh, his Instagram video and get a ton of likes, and he calls out people for just being the propagandist. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, and what are you actually doing in Congress? Right. You know, th- that's what's so frustrating is we don't have bold leaders who are willing to say, this is the party platform, mm-hmm. this is what we stand for, and this is also what we stand against, and we're standing here because it's true. Right. Not because it's popular necessarily, not because you know, we think that this is going to, um, to win us any of the Democrats right. um, if they continue in their thinking, but we want to persuade them because this is true. Right. Well, these people, most of the Republicans, they care more about what the New York Times is going to write yeah. about them than what they actually do for their constituents. And that's sad. That's really sad mm-hmm. because you're supposed to be a representative of me, right? We, we elected you to do the things that we need you to do. Why, why is there no talk about big tech censorship right now? Why, why have, has no one done anything about social media giants and their control or against Dr. Fauci and the gain-of-function research? I mean, none of these things are being brought up by the Republican leadership except for a very few. But, I mean, Mitch McConnell is the one with this debt ceiling of $2.5 trillion. He's the one who gave these people a lifeline to, to have this continue. So, ugh, man. <laughs> yeah, so, so we end up being like, ah. So, okay, so what's the, what's the solution then to you? I mean, where do you see... Um, conservatism going for, you know, 2022, 2024 and beyond. Is there hope of, I mean, I mean, you're hopeful because, you know, you you have seen through this and you think for yourself, Will, and you are a great influencer. So how, um, and along with your book, you know, how to uh, win friends and influence enemies. I mean, there are enemies even within our own camp. So um, so in your, in your book, you know, you have solutions, but where do you think this is going and how can we frame conservatism to actually make a difference instead of just being this kind of, you know, weak-ass DNC. Right. I think that the number one thing, excuse me, that anyone needs to be looking for right now when you are looking at candidates, especially when it comes to 2022, is looking at their views on education and what they want to do with the education of wherever they are representing and what they want to do about the mandates when it comes to the vaccine or COVID or anything like that. Those are, at least for me, the number two things. What I have seen that is actually surprising and kind of controversial, if you look at a country like Hungary, You know, I don't agree with a lot of the things Hungary is doing when it comes to COVID, but in terms of a lot of the other things that Hungary is doing, I mean, they have like a department of families in Hungary. Can you believe that? Can you imagine having something like that in America? Yeah. The child tax credits they (laughs) have. We can't even define family anymore. So like a department of like whatever it is you want to define family. Exactly. Exactly. Some friends you met at a bar in Los Angeles. That's your family. (laughs) Right. You know, that's, that's what they talk about on the left. But it's like a lot of the things that, that places like Hungary 
focus on when it comes to immigration and families and Christian values, those types of things, are incredibly strong, and they've been able to have a very successful time doing that. I think that conservatives have been too scared to actually say, hey, we have majority of people. We have the majority in the House or the Senate and the executive branch. Like, why are we not pushing things forward? They should be pushing those things forward. In 2016, you know, we couldn't even get Planned Parenthood defunded. Isn't that so sad? You know, it's like we need conservatives, Republicans, who are going to get elected who say, we have the power now, let's do it. Don't worry about what the Washington Post thinks about you. Don't worry about what these Democrats think about you. The world is turning into a worse place that is more totalitarian. We need to be the ones to put strong, using strong tactics to actually fix these things. We can't be the weak conservatives anymore. And it starts with education, and it starts with the mandates. Because if we don't fix the education system, when it comes to the teachers' unions, when it comes to the public schools, it, it doesn't matter what we do because the next generation is just going to undo everything again. Right. So so the education is incredibly important. And obviously the mandate's letting people have their freedom to not be taken advantage of by these, these pharmaceutical companies and by big business that wants to control them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think that there is a lot of hope in that sense where people are waking up and we're seeing that even when we had a theoretical and, and in actuality in a Republican majority in 2016, it didn't matter. And we don't have a Republican majority of genuine conservatives. And that's the difference. And so where I'm encouraged is I'm seeing people who are regular average Americans who are standing up and saying, I'm going to get involved because I care enough about my country that I'm going to stand up and not be censored. I'm going to run for office. I'm going to help on XYZ campaign. I'm going to get involved in politics Mm -hmm. because this matters. And I hope that when we get a majority back, it's going to genuinely be a conservative majority, not right. just Republican in name only. Right. I mean, all those people need to be primaried. All of the, yes. All of those rhinos need to be primaried. So when are you sure. running for office? <laughs> Man. See, everyone always says that. I, yeah. Right now, I have no desire to run for office. I, I think that if I were to run for office now, it would be only for my own vanity. Um, I, I don't think that the amount of good that I would be able to get done from a position of power in office somewhere would be enough to justify me getting into that mm. position. And that is a very fair response. And I, I have people who ask me as well, you know, when are you running for office? And I have um, the exact same response and that not everyone is called to run for office, but we are all called to engage in the ways that we can. Mm-hmm. And your voice is very, very important. And you have a lot of people um, across, you know, and not just in um, the, you know, the 20-somethings demographic, but across the board that are listening to you, that respect your voice, and you're having a major impact in that area. And so um, so that's a very, very fair response. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I mean, when, when the position for emperor of the world opens up, <laughs> I'll think about it. But for now, you know, I just don't want to be like another senator from some state who, you know, is trying to get something done and just keeps getting blocked by the left or weak Republicans. You know, it just doesn't seem like the best use of my time. Yeah. Where with what I'm doing now, talking to so many people and writing my books and speaking across the country, it's been very successful. And so I want to continue to do that at a greater degree. And maybe one day, who knows? Maybe you and I will run president, VP. (laughs) You know, we'll decide who's president. I was going to say, we'll we'll have to have another coffee conversation here about who's top of the ticket. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Rock, paper, scissors. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Fair enough. You guys heard it here. First to first time. You know, we're going to have an Ellis Witt slash Witt Ellis ticket Uh at some point in the future. Exactly. You know, we'll we'll see about that. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Excellent. But um, so in the 
the last few minutes we have here, I definitely do want to um, ask you about your book, though, because mm-hmm. I read it, loved it. I think it's fantastic. Oh, I love the the title, too, because <laughs> um, everyone knows, you know, how to win friends and influence people. But you specifically changed that to be how to influence enemies. Yeah. So why was that important to you to write? Well, I think that there are so many people, like I talked about with myself, that I used to be on the left. I used to be an atheist. You know, a lot of people watch my videos, my older videos where I went out on the streets or campuses and talk to people. My dad loves those, by the way. Your dad loves them? Yes, yeah. He said to tell you hi. I forgot to tell oh. you that, where he was like, oh, yeah, I know Will Witt from PragerU, and he's like, oh, that's amazing. so cool. Yeah, so he had to work today, so couldn't come uh-huh. with me, but yeah, oh, that's okay. wanted to tell you hi. That's okay. Next yeah, time. Yeah, next, next time, time, for sure. Um, yeah. But you a have lot of people, all over. <laughs> I, that is nice. I, I met someone who was a... I'm actually talking to this girl. She's a she's in the Netherlands, and she's suing Nether, the Netherlands for putting the lockdowns in. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's fantastic. So there's a lot of people around the world who are awesome. fighting and are fans of everything we're doing. Anyway, Good. side note, but, but a lot of people watch those videos where I interview people, and they say, you know, how do you not laugh at these people's faces? Or, you know, they're so stupid and everything. And I'm like, listen, you asking me that question, I understand why you ask it, but you asking that is kind of part of the problem because that person who you're laughing at was me. You know, I was that person who couldn't tell you what a Republican was, who couldn't tell you what socialism was, but could tell you that the police were terrible and, and socialism was great and all these kind of things, right? Like, that, that, that was the type of person that I am. So when I say influencing enemies, it is that the normal, average, everyday person that you meet on the street who's, who voted for Joe Biden, this person is not your enemy, okay? We have enemies in this country. We have a lot of enemies. The, the Democrats who are actually in office, the, the, the big corporations who are taking advantage of us, the fake pastors. We have a lot of enemies, okay? But everyday normal Americans who are just voting for the other side, these people can have their minds changed. They can wake up. If you will be the person to say, I'm not going to go and laugh at this person, I'm going to go and try and talk to this person, then we can change this country for sure. I know we can because I used to be that person and because one girl in my class, this was in 2016, uh, during the primaries for the Republican Party, and she was saying she was voting for Trump, she came up and talked to me and you know, I had no idea who this girl was, but she started talking to me about Trump and all this. And, I started looking into things because of her. And because of her, just one girl coming up and having a conversation with me, I'm now in the position that I am in now, wow. right? Where I am, you know, writing my book and doing all these crazy things because of one person. Mm-hmm. So I, I use that as an example to say, you don't know who you could influence. You don't know who you could talk to. One of those people who you say is this crazy leftist who you know, you go and have that conversation with them you might change that person's life forever. Yeah, and you might change so many people. Every single person that you have influenced and encouraged is because of that girl's influence on you. Right. And to, you know, that's kind of the whole premise of pay it forward, Mm -hmm. right? And to say you never know who you're influencing. And so many people who are influencers, like, well, if I'm not, you know, meeting all of these people who have the huge Instagram following, whatever, well, you know, she had no idea Mm -hmm. who you would become. Right. And that's where you have to take advantage of every opportunity that you have and anyone who you come across to tell them the truth and to just ask them to consider things, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've had so many conversations as well with, um, friends of my, yes, friends who are Democrats. And, um, I know, you know, and it's like people that like their mind explodes where they're like, wait, what? Um, but it's because a lot of these people, unless they are truly, you know, the evil ones, like, like, right. I mean, we can just say he's, he's pretty evil. Right. right? But, um, yeah. 
And, you know, these people who are evil, the people who are by and large part of the Democrat Party, I think are genuinely trying to act in good faith. Mm -hmm. They think that what they're advocating for is the best. Mm -hmm. They don't have some malicious intent toward the United States. They are just not thinking through to the logical conclusions of what their position really means. Right. And if you can have never that, heard it. Yeah. And so if you have that conversation, it can make a difference. 100 percent. And so that's what the book was about. I mean, there's 17 different topics, uh, climate change, capitalism, police brutality, racism, all these different things, COVID. And I break down the questions that you can actually ask people. Right. Nice. So not just here's why the left sucks. It's here's why the left sucks. And here's how you can change it. Nice. That's kind of the idea of the book. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where those types of questions. There's another book um, called Tactics by my great good. Book. Yeah, great Greg Kokel. And so, oh, you know him? yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. And that's, I've never met him. He's a great, great he's, book. He's a great guy. He'll, you should have him on your show. Yeah, because awesome. yeah, Tactics, um, your book actually, in a sense, reminded me of a similar view where he's saying instead of just talking to people, you ask them questions to where they're going to have to be put on the defensive in the sense of saying, I'm going to have to justify my position. I'm going to have to explain it. Can I articulate it beyond just the talking points? And so what you've done in this book by saying, here are the questions you can ask, it forces other people to then reveal where the conflict of their worldview is. And right. that is more effective than just talking to them or being like, oh, watch this episode of Tucker, you know, right. where they're going to be turned off anyways. Right, right. It, it's not you necessarily changing that person's mind. It's them changing their own mind because they can't answer the questions that you put forward to them. Yes. That's what it's really all about. And it's like... You're not always going to change that person's mind immediately when you're talking to them. I mean, if you're batting 300, you're having a pretty good day. But you've at least opened their mind to something new if you did it in a compassionate and humble way. Yeah, absolutely. And Vanquish evil when you have to, for sure. But when you're talking to regular people, compassion and humility is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And that is truly Christ-like. And yes. I really appreciate that. Well, and so where can people find your book, find you, um, if they're not already, like um, all of my family who, mm-hmm. you know, loves and follows you anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad your family does that. Yeah. I need to put my family on more to you. My family is now conservative. That's I've turned awesome. them into conservatives. I, I just won't allow anyone in my family to be on the left. It's a, it's a rule. That's a leader. That's yes, a leader right exactly. there. Good. Um, yeah. you guys so they're getting your book for Christmas, I'm sure. <laughs> well, my mom already bought 25 of them. So I think she's the one who put me on the national bestseller list, actually, nice. by buying so many. Uh, but people can find me anywhere on social media at thewillwit or prageu.com. You can also follow my blog thewillwit.substack.com because I'm getting heavily shadow banned because of most of the stuff about COVID and the vaccines I talk about. Um, and then you can also buy my book Anywhere Books Are Sold, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, anywhere. Awesome. Well, this has been a really fun time at this little hippie coffee place in Denver. And <laughs> it's always, and I'm so glad for everyone who could join this conversation because these are the types of things, um, one of the things I love about what um, I've been able to do in my life is to get to meet people like Will. And, you know, when we overlap and have a conversation, because we were talking about bringing him on my show, and he's like, hey, I'm going to be in Colorado. And I was like, hey, I am too. Let's just get together yeah. and, you know, talk. And so this is um, so often what I get to do with amazing people like Will. And um, to just bring you guys into this conversation has been a lot of fun. So thanks, Will. And I'll have to have you back on soon. 100%. I got to get you on my show too. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. We'll Goes both ways. It'll work. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. All right. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.